Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you have not seen him, you believe in him, and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Good morning, everyone. Um, first, we'll pray. Yeah, Lord, I just um, give this morning up to you. Pray that you would be glorified, lifted upon high. Your word will be known as truth and light and a source of help for us in our need. And I pray, Lord, that ultimately, that you, Jesus, will be lifted high and you will be proclaimed and your name will be proclaimed in this church today, Lord. So I really do pray that we would have hearts to receive your word and hearts to, to be encouraged by your word and by your truths that you set forward, Lord. In Jesus' name I do pray. Amen. So... In the past month, we've been looking at the resurrection with 1 Corinthians 15 as a reference. In the first week, we looked at the importance of the resurrection. What does it mean? How the resurrection is the gospel? We looked at what resurrection is biblically. In the second week, we looked at how the power and impact of the resurrection has caused an effect on those who believe on him, what it means for us. Last week we saw what the resurrection means for us when we die, why it's necessary for us to receive new bodies, that in order for us to be in the presence of the Lord, we must receive new bodies, for the old body is corrupt and cannot enter the presence of God. Throughout the weeks we've also been looking at how the resurrection impacts us now, that, that Jesus' resurrection has caused us to die to our sin and become born again by the grace of God through belief in him. Paul the Apostle states in Romans 6, verse 4 to 11, Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For, we for if we have become united with him in the likeness of death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slave to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again, Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, 
Consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in, Je- in Christ Jesus. These verses are a summary of the impact the resurrection has on born-again believers. That the resurrection means we are a new creation. We have died to ourselves and live in Christ. We have new desires and new hearts. Hearts that are cleansed from sin. We experience sin and temptation and pain on this world as our bodies are still corrupted due to the effects of the fall. It is our inner self that has been changed and made new. The power of resurrection is effective within us today and forever. It's transformed us to be born again to a living hope that is the gospel and that is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. A transformation that means we continue to become more and more like him. So the verses that we'll be looking at this morning is 1 Peter 1, verses 3 to 12. We will be seeing how the power of the resurrection has impacted our lives and how it saves us to the very end through trials, tribulations and temptations. The power of the resurrection is effective within us. The beginning of Peter is a comfort for us all in our different situations and trying circumstances. We have been caused to become born again through the resurrection of Jesus. In our flesh we were dead, like Lazarus who was dead. We were dead to the things of God and dead to the things of Scripture. We hated the law and we loved rebellion. There was nothing we, that could deter us from doing whatever we wanted. We have all originated from Adam. We all bear the same curse and corruption. But life comes through Christ, believing that he died and rose again. It is central to our faith. Like Lazarus, we was dead. We couldn't respond. That We needed to be awakened and raised by him to respond to Jesus. In our deathly state, there was nothing we could do. Jesus has to raise us and bring us out of death and create in us a new creation, a man that lives and breathes. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 reads, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We must look back again at Romans 6. We, we have died on the cross, becoming united in death with him. He took our punishment for our sins, for it was our sins that laid him there. And in becoming born again, we have become a new creation by the power of his resurrection, being dead to sin and being made alive with Christ. We have been crucified with Christ. We have died to the law that reveals and condemns us. It is no longer us who lives, but it is Christ who lives in us. Jesus is active within us. He lives in us. He teaches and guides us and he sanctifies us to the very end. It is a glorious hope and it's a glorious truth to which we believe. A hope that is not blind, but is living and active within us. It is this resurrection that has made it possible for us to live through various trials and circumstances. The resurrection is extremely important. It changes us in a very real way because Christ lives within us and the Holy Spirit abides within us. If the resurrection never happened, we would be dead and unable to attain salvation. In order to attain salvation, we must be made new. 
We must die to the flesh and be born of God. This is why it's so important that we must be sure that we are born again. If we have not died to our flesh, we carry on life being condemned. But if we have died to the flesh and the law, we become new. Then that creation is new and incorruptible. It cannot die. We are saved to the very end. We remain faithful, not because we do good works and we follow his commandments, but we remain faithful because despite the various trials, he remains faithful. We know that neither death nor life nor angels or principalities can separate us from the love of God. We read in Hebrews 10 verses 32 to 39, But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith and if he shrinks back my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed but are those who have faith and preserve their souls. We are not those who shrink back we continue to grow and flourish in Christ. If we are saved, we will continue to grow. Our hatred of sin will grow. We will love the Lord more and more. And even though our bodies still experience sin and temptation, we will continue to hold fast to Christ because he holds us. His love for us is inseparable because of what Jesus has done on the cross. By this we have an inheritance given to us at the end of our lives. Given to us on the account of what Jesus had done on the cross and making it possible for us to live in him through his resurrection. It has been reserved for you from the very beginning. In Romans 8, as we've read earlier, we see what's called the golden chain of redemption. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And then those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. This is a wonderful and encouraging truth for us to observe among the various trials that we, as we will see in a moment's time. But dwell on this truth. It was God that made it, who made it possible, Father, Son and Holy Spirit work in unity to bring about your salvation. He has had grace upon you. He loved you from the very beginning. In your life as a Christian, you are justified and in the end, you will be glorified. All because of the great plan of redemption, of the death and resurrection of, of Jesus. And in your glorified state, Jesus is glorified. Which brings us to verse 5 of 1 Peter 1. Who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation revealed in the last time. In all these things we are protected. 
our salvation is sealed and our salvation will be revealed in the last time. The time of the judgment at the separation of the sheep and the goats, he will say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. But this is only possible because Christ made it possible. The Greek translation for protected, and some versions say guarded, is frureo. It means to guard, to keep watch like a military personnel. They will actively display whatever is necessary to guard the individual. Likewise, the Lord will actively defend you. He will not lose sight of you. Many attacks against us are made in this life, but the Lord keeps us and he will use whatever means necessary to protect you and guard your salvation. Wow. And the Lord will not fail in his duty. You are purchased by his blood. You are no longer a slave to sin, but you are free as a slave in Christ. Does this mean that with all this information we are free to sin and do as we wish? Does that mean we have contempt for the commandments and have no love for them? By no means. On the contrary, we love the commandments. If we love Christ, we will love the commandments. This is due to us being a new creation. And we love righteousness because he has created us new and resurrected our dead nature to become alive in him. We are slaves to obedience, which is free. Our master is Christ and not sin. To have love for sin and disregard the, God, the, the commandments is still being under sin and our salvation is not apparent. But if we hold to the above of loving Christ and loving his commandments, then surely everything that I'm speaking about is true for all of you. Your salvation is confirmed. We must rejoice in all these things and in saying these things, some of you rejoice now. Yet I know there are members of our church who have experienced various trials. Some are bereaved, some are sick, some are going through very complex personal situations. Yet despite this, you cling on to all these truths. You cling on to Christ. And all these situations, bad or mild, are proofs of God, God's ongoing work in your life, whatever it may be. These things signify that no matter what's going on, his resurrection power is effective in your body to deliver you out of the trying circumstances. And you trust in the Lord because of his power. Peter says that this faith is more pressure, precious than gold. Why is this more precious than gold? Because it's of the Lord. And despite these sufferings, you cling on and you trust in him. All these things and more are results and evidence of your salvation, bringing glory, honour and praise at the revelation of Jesus. And even in this pandemic, we have all faced a situation that hasn't happened in hundreds of years and we all suffer together. We've not been able to meet together as we once was. We, we suffer, we, some of us have suffered mentally, um, some of us have suffered in other ways. But still, you remain firm and that's the evidence of Jesus' work in your life. And that's an amazing truth that we can behold. We love him because he loved us. 
We do not see him. None of us have seen him. But you believe nonetheless. Despite your sufferings, you still believe. This is evident proof that Christ lives in you. You are not wavering in your faith. Be encouraged about this, that the Lord truly works things for all good for those who love him. He is faithful in the battle of suffering. We live in a spiritual battle. The advances of the enemy are strong and he seeks to destroy us so that he may ruin Jesus' name. You will be attacked, mocked, persecuted and suffer in many ways on the account of you being born again. Satan seeks to, to, seeks to sift you as he sought to sift Peter as wheat. The world hates us because we abide in him. And Satan seeks every way to bring us down and destroy us. Yet know you have a saviour who is able to save to the uttermost. Nothing will deter the Lord from bringing about your salvation. And the Lord will not be mocked. The Lord will win and Satan and his followers will lose. Be encouraged, you are of Christ. And you, in, when you endure such beatings, persecutions and ridicule. You, you will endure all things in this world, in your life, due to the fact that Christ lives within you. And he has secured you. His resurrection power is real and living in you, giving complete glory to the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Recently, I come across a sermon about the resurrection power and how this resurrection power can overcome our problems that we can conquer any trial and any problem and we are invincible and untouchable, claiming absurd beliefs that the resurrection is what we can claim for ourselves in this life regarding material things. Know that this belief is false and is completely unbiblical. The real resurrection power that works in you gives Christ all the glory for the finished work on the cross that he died and was raised on the third day. The resurrection is not about your blessing and glory, it's about his blessing and glory. Again, we read in verse 7, resulting in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Christ. Upon looking at verses 10 to 12 of 1 Peter, speaking of the prophets, the prophets look forward to Christ's arrival and looked at the scriptures carefully to know the arrival of Christ. The prophets knew God's word. Yet what we must be careful to assume is that the prophets didn't make blind predictions of times, but looked to the scriptures and heard from the Lord concerning the detail around Christ's coming. All of history revolves around the cross. We look back at the cross. The prophets look forward to the cross. They dreamed of seeing God's word fulfilled in their lifetime. In the terms of suffering, how much more must we be made of his grace for us? Even though our sufferings are cruel and hard, we must be encouraged that by his grace, the gospel was revealed to us and is able, and is able to save us. The prophets had revelation that they were serving us. The prophets realised they were delivering to us the prophecies of Jesus' death and resurrection. They were a part of God's plan to plant the seeds of salvation story throughout history. The cross is what the 
prophets looked to and longed for. Grace is all the more precious to us as we know about Jesus. We have seen the cross. We have seen the resurrection through our own lives. We have seen the resurrection in the accounts of the Gospels. And all the more grace we have to have been made alive for the purpose of knowing Christ and abiding and being in him. Also, Peter possibly writes about this to emphasise what Jesus had said in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, verse 16 to 17. And blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it and did not hear it. In verse 12, we also read things we also read things into which angels long to look. This is explained very well by a commentary I read. And he says, it is indeed the highest praise to the gospel that it contains treasures of wisdom as yet concealed and hidden from angels. But someone may object and say that it is not reasonable that things should be open and known to us, which are hidden from angels, who always see the face of God and are his ministers in ruling the church and in the administration of all his blessing. To this I answer that things are open to us as far as we can see them in the mirror of the word. But as knowledge is not said to be higher than that of angels, Peter only means that such things are promised to us as angels desire to see fulfilled. Paul says that by the calling of the Gentiles, the wonderful wisdom of God was made known to the angels, for it was a spectacle to them. When Christ gathered into one body the lost world, alienated for so many ages from the hope of life, thus daily they see with admiration the magnificent works of God in the government of his church. How much greater will their admiration be at witnessing the last display of divine justice when the kingdom of Christ shall be completed? This is as yet hidden, the revelation of which they still expect and justly wish to see. The angels did not express jealousy or rivalry. They glorify and praise the Lord. They longed to see the plan of salvation take place and waited eagerly. How much more shall we praise God that he has blessed us with the revelation of his good news? The mystery and wisdom of God was shown to the angels who have been waiting eagerly to see it. May I finish with this. God's grace is immeasurable. He loves you. He died for you. And you stand strong due to you being a new creation in him. A creation that will not, stand, will not be corrupted, but will stand firm to the very end. We look forward to the coming resurrection, the coming of time when we stand before him. Through your sufferings and your pain and your trials, he will hold you fast. Let us read 1 John 3, verses 2 to 3, and that song we sung earlier. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure.
May you be encouraged and blessed to know that the Lord holds you fast through the trials and storms of this life. Yeah, Lord, um, thank you for your word. Thank you for your saving power. Thank you that we was unable to attain salvation, that we was unable to bring ourselves out of the dead. But Lord, in our deathly state and in our rebellion and our sin, that you chose us, that you chose us from the foundation of the world, that you justified us, that you glorified us, all through the death and resurrection of your Son, you made this possible. And it's all glory to you, no glory to us. And I pray, Lord, that we would glorify you in this very truth and that we would thank you for your resurrection power, that true resurrection power that changes our lives, changes our hearts and changes our our speech and our way of life and changes our creation. We thank you for that resurrection power that we was once blind, but now we see. We was once dead, but now we're made alive in you. And thank you, that Lord, that you live in us, that Holy Spirit, you live in us and that you guide us and that you save us to the very end, never being lost. I really do thank you for that and I just lift everything up to you and I pray that you'll be glorified and I pray your people will be encouraged and they will turn to you with fresh hearts of thanksgiving and admiration for you. In Jesus' name I do pray. Amen.